It's Fox Top 5, the podcast where the hosts always agree to disagree. This week on Fox Top 5, Chad Chad Pergrim. If you even go back to the old 1930s, 1940s comic books with Batman, and this is something I'm kind of an aficionado of here. And and Aisha Aisha Hosni. He's my first memory of a politician. Like, that is what I think of when I think back to when I'm a child. Come together to share their top five best fictional politicians. Here are this week's hosts, Chad and Aisha. Welcome to the Fox Top 5. I'm Chad Pergram, congressional correspondent here at Fox News, and I'm joined by my colleague, another congressional correspondent, Aisha Hosman. How are you? Hey, Chad. I'm so good. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you had a good one. It was good. Absolutely. I'm a Midwesterner like you, so it was good to have some (laughs) green bean casserole and all those wonderful fixings from back home here. Well, every week on this pot... A lot of fun movies. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I did some of that, too. And a lot of sports. Well, every week on this podcast, Fox hosts, reporters, and personalities get together. We share our top fives on any given topic. Aisha and I often talk about all sorts of politicians every day. But today we're here to talk about a different kind of politician, the fictional ones. So Aisha, what was the inspiration for your list? (laughs) Okay, so I went the other route. I know a lot of people will probably choose people from... You know, House of Cards, The West Wing, those famous shows. I went a completely opposite route and just picked some of the most craziest politicians that I've ever seen on TV. Um, So, should we start? Absolutely. Get down to business. What's the top five for you? Start with number five. Number five. Okay, so I actually have two for number five. Don't be mad. Um, I couldn't figure out who I didn't like the most. So, uh, my first is Jafar the Grand Vizier of Agrabah back in, you know, Aladdin, the Disney movie. Amazing. And I picked I picked him, Chad, because he's my first memory of a politician. Like, that is what I think of when I think back to when I'm a child and I first see a politician on TV, I think about Jafar. Obviously not a good person, but for anyone in my age, he's like, you know, forever seared into my mind as the most corrupt politician out there. And my second one for number five is the Wizard of Oz. Greatest scam artist ever. Kudos for being the star of an entire musical that you're really only featured in for 15 minutes. So good for <laughs> you. You are the title of, an, of a great musical that I've gone and seen, um, Wizard of Oz. The, those are, so those two share my, my, my top five. I like the direction you're going with this because I think you took kind of the same tack that I did. Uh, you know, maybe not the, the the people who play a senator on TV or play a congressman yeah, on TV or something like that. So, okay, uh, and a tie for for number five there. You know, you know, in Congress by rule a tie loses. You know that on a vote okay. on the House floor or the Senate. Floor. Well, they both should lose. They're awful, awful politicians. <laughs> I like it. So for number okay. five for me, yeah, I went ahead. with the Prince from Machiavelli. Now, Machiavelli. Okay. Niccolo Machiavelli, he existed. He was writing a book to the future ruler of Florence, Lorenzo de Medici. This was kind of a construct he was writing for him because he was going to be the Duke of Urbino. But Machiavelli is explaining his tactics on how any prince, any prince, so this is kind of made up here, should rule. Cultivating the goodwill of the people, the goodwill of the military. He was cunning. 
He was shrewd, building political capital, putting down uprisings, have a, a dedicated natural-born army rather than you know mercenaries because they'll be more loyal. You can control uh, people better that way. And, you know, and sometimes we hear this phrase, "Oh, that's Machiavellian." Machiavelli. This was considered to be really the first political textbook. It's very scholarly for something that was written in the in the 16th century. So this is not wow. something from fiction per se, but it's about okay. a fictional prince, so to speak. Well, if you thought that deep and hard for your number five, I'm so excited to see who your top four are. Okay, so let's let's continue on. Number four. So okay. my top my top four is um, Tom Beck. So Morgan Freeman from okay. Deep Impact. He was yes. he was the president. I mean, what kind of yoga? Does this man do? Because I gotta sign up for it. I mean, he he was so calm during a time of crisis. Giant comet coming our coming our way, and that's who you want to be in the White House. You want someone who's human, but calm, sincere, honest. Also, I probably wouldn't care who's in the White House if there was a comet coming our way. But um, that <laughs> extinction is level we event. We grew up right? watching exactly, exactly. Yeah. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Good call. I like that one. And I, I've seen that movie. I saw it eh, probably sometime in the past six months. I was just flipping through the channels and things. Yeah. I know it's an older one from about we'll 20 years back. ago. But, but I like that portrayal. Absolutely. So my number four. Now, this was a real person, but there was a fictional depiction here. Okay. Deep Throat. Now, yeah. we learned in 2005 that the Watergate figure that was Deep Throat, that Woodward and Bernstein relied upon as their source, was the FBI Associate Director Mark Felt. But if you go back to the Oscar-winning movie in 1976, All the President's Men, there was this fictional portrayal of Deep Throat. Hal Holbrook, the famous actor, played him. And he played yeah. him as this shadowy figure. You know, they're meeting in the mm -hmm. garage. In, in fact, in fact, you're basically dealing with somebody that at that stage when the movie came out that some people doubted even existed. There were some people who thought that Woodward and Bernstein had come up with a composite figure from their sources here. And and at first, how Holbrook did not want to play the part because he's like, you know, I'm going to be just cast in silhouette and shadow and everything. And Robert Redford had to convince him to play. He's barely on screen. You see him in a trench coat, hidden, but probably the best remembered character in the film of all the president's men. You know, again, as I say, yeah. shot in silhouette, you just see these ribbons of cigarette smoke going up around him, you know, the fedora, this gravelly voice, but just the personification of that figure on film did it for me for number four. That, that's a really good, now I'm really embarrassed about Jafar. I should have never picked <laughs> no, Jafar. No, 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 I like it. Okay, I like it. <laughs> okay. Number three. All right, number three for me is Elizabeth McCord. Uh, Secretary of State in Madam Secretary. Um, okay, very unrealistic show, I know, but I am so addicted to this. Um, I just love her as an actress. I love the family aspect of the show. I have not finished it yet, so don't tell me what happens. I still don't know if Stevie winds <laughs> up with Dimitri in the end, so I hope mm -hmm. they do. Um, but I just, I just love the show. It's so, it's got happy endings for the most part. Another show that I've watched some, maybe not as much as The West Wing, but I've watched that. And and it, you know, for those of us who are kind of creatures of Washington, like you and me, mm -hmm. that show always struck me as fairly realistic. You know, the kind of behind the scenes machinations that go on. That That's my sure. perspective on that. So, yeah. Yeah. Palace intrigue. Absolutely. All right. You're number three. Number three. Well, again, we're not talking necessarily, necessarily about <laughs> elected politicians. We're talking about political skill here. Right. Acumen. But people who are sometimes in the public light. And so I went to the DC Comics universe here. 
Oh, Commissioner Jim Gordon from Batman. Oh, that's such a good one. The reason is that, you know, he's, if you even go back to the old 1930s, 1940s comic books with Batman, and this is something I'm kind of an aficionado of here, you know, he was skeptical of Batman, you know, Batman's a vigilante, but in time, Jim Gordon comes to rely on him. Now, this is where I give Jim Gordon a lot of political chops. So you're the police commissioner, either elected or appointed. I'm not sure in Gotham City, I haven't checked out their, their, their rules there, but your police force apparently is so inept to catch the Joker, the Riddler, the Penguin, Catwoman, that you have to rely on this guy who ain't on the payroll. And you've installed a bat phone. You have a bat signal on top of, <laughs> you know, police headquarters. And so to, to navigate the, you know, the city bureaucracy, I say, oh, mm-hmm. this is actually good for our city that we're going to call upon imagine? him. And, you know, can, can you imagine the inspector general report on this? You relied on who? And this guy wears a cape and a cow. Right. I mean, gee whiz. Right. You know. And here's one of the great questions about Jim Gordon. Did he know Batman's identity? You know, and, and there was I a I have 19, always yeah. thought that he did. I have always thought that he did. I think, or maybe not in the beginning, but maybe eventually in the end, Batman finally revealed himself. I or would hope he, so. Or did he purposefully just kind of ignore that? Because he mm. said, this is good for the police department. It's good for me. It's good for Gotham City. It's good for the people. And that's what a, quote, good politician does, sees what something that's working. You know, there were some uh, critics of Jim Gordon who said, well, he must not be much of a detective if he right. couldn't figure out who Batman is. But right. we don't really know. So that was my number yeah. three, actually. Oh, I love it. The countdown continues after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Number two. My number two is Winston Churchill in The Crown. Uh-huh. Um, I really love the way they portrayed him. I really like everybody in The Crown. I mean, it's just one of my favorite shows on Netflix. Um, I could watch it over and over again. I can't wait for the next season. Um, but I really especially love the way they humanized uh, Churchill uh, and showed parts of him. I don't know how historically accurate everything is, right? The show gets a lot of um, flack um, from historians um, and from the royal family, but uh, I really, I just love the way they humanized the character and just showed parts um, of him with his family and especially especially those scenes. It was the, sh- it was the episode about the Great Fog and he That's loses... That's a great episode. That's a, a wonderful great episode, episode. And he loses an aide um, to this disaster, and it's it's just such an emotional moment. I, I just really love the way he portrayed him. Absolutely, and, and you know, there's a bust of Churchill here in the mm, U.S. Capitol. Yep. It, it's by what we call the British Steps, which uh, was never really called that until they dedicated that bust. And in fact, his you know his his mother was American. Churchill's was, and so yeah, they yeah. so they dedicated this bust here in the Capitol. Uh, and it's named the British Steps near that because supposedly after the British, you know, took over the capital in 1814 and burned it, that they were allegedly, I don't think this, I think this is kind of apocryphal, such good horsemen that they rode up this circular staircase in the capital. I don't think that happened, but they called those the British Steps. And Roger Daltrey from The Who came and performed, believe it or not, an acoustic version 
of Don't Get Fooled Again by The Who in Statuary Hall when they did, did this. No, he did not break the guitar or anything like that after the song, but Churchill right. has an association with Capitol Hill. So good. All right, uh, take it away. Okay, so my number two was Harold <laughs> Hill from The Music Man, the okay. Broadway musical. Okay. Now, to me, Harold Hill, in some respects, and I kind of quibbled with myself here, who's number two, who's number one? Mm -hmm. Because Harold Hill, to me, no elective office. He creates problems, then has a fix for them, and he is the <laughs> ultimate grifter. Okay, he comes into River City, said, what, where's the trouble? He says, because they're playing pool, a pool table, offers a solution. His solution is, and this is his shtick, he, he, you know, he caterwauls around Iowa, you know, selling what he calls boys' bands. He sells them the instruments, the uniforms, instruction booklets, and he doesn't know, and this is an actual line in the movie and in the, and in the, the Broadway show, he doesn't know one note from another. He can't right. tell a bass drum from a pipe organ. And here he is selling these boys' bands, you know. Now, this right. is where it gets political. The mayor of River City impanels the school board to go get his, his credentials. Says, I don't trust this guy. Well, Hill, and this is, you know, again, we can talk about fiduciary responsibilities and everything in government. He completely converts the barbershop quartet in, or excuse me, the, the, the school board into this barbershop quartet, and they're singing around town and not actually, you know, getting his credentials. Yeah. Uh, Marion, the librarian, is skeptical of him as well, and she looks up in her library. She's like, well, because he claims to have gone to the Gary, Indiana Conservatory of Music and discovers that it doesn't even exist. She gives him a pass. I mean, if you really want to understand the essence of politics, from my perspective, besides reading Machiavelli, <laughs> watch The Music Man. It's all in there. It is very, very deep. Okay. The art of politics. Got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So number one. Number. 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 Number one. Here we go. Okay. Uh, everyone's going to laugh at me for this, but I am such a Game of Thrones fan that I had to choose Daenerys Targaryen as my number one okay. politician. Okay. Let me explain. This is that played by Amelia Clark. Um, look, chat. She learned multiple languages, which is very difficult to do. She freed slaves. She united a variety of different peoples from different backgrounds had the best army of all the lands and um i would have been her comms director <laughs> if i, if I, I lived in westeros <laughs> um and i think the show did her dirty in the end i mean i think they could have gotten her, gotten her some counseling or something there's got to be some kind of insurance plan to get her some anger management counseling because she did not have to die in the end i was so invested i think a lot of fans were were so invested in Daenerys. <laughs> I, I, I love this, and I, I just love the overall direction of your list. Uh, you know, because we've really kind of hit the hit all the perspectives here. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. your number one. So number one. All right, my number one is Oscar Zorister, Fadrig, Isaac Norman Hinkle, Emmanuel Amboise Diggs. You know him, right? Because of his name, right? You chose. Well, him surely everybody knows Oscar Zoraster, <laughs> Fadrig. Isaac Norman Henkel Emmanuel Amboise Dix, because he, and we've already talked about him, Aisha, is the Wizard of Oz. Of Oz. As in the great and powerful Oz. 
<laughs> that was his name. And I'm on the so su- happy. I'm so happy right now. I feel validated. <laughs> and, and, and you know, the reason he's called Oz is because I talked about Oscar Zorister. That the OZ, that was on the side of his balloon. Here's just a guy from Omaha, Nebraska. He winds up in Oz. They're like, wow, this guy must have something going on. He's a great sorcerer. He completely, you know, don't ignore the man behind the curtain. I mean, how many times could we actually say that in American politics about different things that are going on mm-hmm. here on Capitol Hill or at the mm-hmm. White House or something? You know, and, but but here's the redeeming thing about Oz and his political skills, the fact that he pulls this off and rules Oz in the Emerald City. He's got a little bit of Ted Lasso, in other words. <laughs> You're right. He, he, oh he, he, shows, he shows the scarecrow uh-huh. that he's actually pretty wise. He has a brain. He reveals kind of, you know, helping him along the Tin Man that he has, you know, a heart. The Cowardly Lion actually has courage, you know, and that's, again, what good politicians do, even though he's ruling as the great and powerful Oz and, and very mm-hmm. menacing. In the end, he, he, he helps people, makes things better. He, he helps them work through their problem. And that's what good leaders do in my, in my uh, estimation. Yeah, that's so funny. I called him a scam artist and you called him <laughs> a great leader. <laughs> well, maybe that's why he was five on yours and one on mine. Maybe that's, that's, that's a so lot funny. about it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. Well, it shows how our brains work. Um, <laughs> um, I love it. I, I love our top five. I think it's so interesting. And, and I wonder what everyone else, I hope everyone else was thinking about theirs, too. Um, please let us know your top five best fictional politicians. Tweet at us. Tell us. Um and subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or, of course, at foxnewspodcast.com. Thanks, Chad. That was fun. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> You've been listening to Fox Top 5 on the Fox News Podcast Network. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.